0: Good evening everyone. Uh, this is Mehraj Dubey and uh, I'm wishing you all a very, very good health this season. I hope you're taking good care of yourself um, during the lockdown and uh, taking good care of your business as well. We are uh, right now in a webinar, speak speaking webinar, and uh, which is speaking is in, uh, Asia's biggest network of finest speakers from around the world. Two of those best speakers are with us right now. In another 40 minutes or so, we'll be talking about Brave New World of Startups. Startups when we'll be talking about uh, where is the silver lining uh, in the funding, in the product areas or customers and much more. So uh, let me uh, first introduce two uh, speakers with us, two of our guests. the uh, Mehta, CEO of uh, Mosaic Media Ventures and his brands like VC Circle, Tech Circle, Um, Sales Edge, I need no introduction, he is the most credible and sought after voice in the venture capital world right now, Uh, Vineet Ansali is also with us, Vineet welcoming you as well, Vice President of Orias, I just learned to pronounce his his company's name, Orias, which is after a Greek word, Uh, Orias Ventures Partners, which is very, very active seed stage investor fund in consumer startups. And his profile, uh, interestingly, on LinkedIn reads very interesting line. He says, 3x founder and 2x exits. So what does that mean in this season? We're going to ask him (laughs) very soon. But both of you gentlemen are, uh, for me, angels. Angels are needed in times of crisis. And uh, we're going to talk about angel investments. And of course, so many issues uh, right now surrounding the startup world. Jadeep, my first question is to you. Who should be more worried right now? Someone who's invested in a startup already before the lockdown began, or someone who had a plan or a commitment from an investor
1: uh, and now the things are going to change? Yeah, see, uh, <laughs> you know, as a, as a as someone who's more an investor, uh, I'm tempted to say the first, but I'll tell you this, that for any, I, I have endless uh, admiration for entrepreneurs, especially in our dear country. Uh, where a new challenge, a new curveball is thrown at them every day. And you see, as an investor, you know, you can diversify your risk uh, with 20 entrepreneurs or 20 founders, right? But if you're an entrepreneur, you've only got one risk and that's you. It's your venture, your baby. So the life they live is, is in you know, is just completely uh, at the edge of the uh, funnel of uncertainty. And... Uh, I've seen so many uh, great founders uh, had the pleasure of interacting with many over the years and the way they think and the way they take risks and the way they just keep fighting is incredible. So people who've raised money before the uh, you know COVID crisis hit, for them now, it's going to be a competitive advantage uh, because their competitors who haven't raised the money uh, are now facing a, a funding winter of indefinite length. Um, so... You know, they, they should capitalize on that. And conversely, uh, investors, uh, whether they are angels or institutions like Arise, who are participating in well-capitalized companies, you know, of course, it's trouble times for everyone, but they'll get through it, they'll get, get, you know, get to the other side. The real challenge is for the other uh, ventures who, you know, who are looking for funding and, and that's rather deeper conversation.
0: Miraj, you've gone on mute. Thanks, Eddie. We'll talk about how, uh, and how uh, people should prepare if, if, if they're looking for funding and what's uh, hot uh, despite COVID. But uh, Vineet, uh, what's your uh, you know first observation from this um, situation right now? Uh, who should be more worried about or, or you should just wait and watch before you can really conclude? This. We are still at the edge of it.
1: So, uh, uh,
2: again, if you're talking about specifically startups, right, uh, the question here is who should be looking and who should be doing. Hey, can you guys give me? My internet went down for a second. Uh, so, Mehraj, your question was uh, can you just repeat yes. your question, please?
0: So, no, we're generally talking about, how, you know, uh, in the startup world, who should be more worried? Uh, uh, there are various uh, stakeholders in, in each situation, someone yeah. just invested someone who was committing an investment or uh, was committed in in investment by an investor. So things like that. How should you really begin to list down things and evaluate one's crisis?
2: Yeah, so uh, who should be worried is, uh, you know, in fact, uh, in this case, all startups are equally lucky or equally, you know, in a tough spot. Everyone should be worried because you may be one of those few startups that has money in the bank. But does that mean that your customers have money in the bank? Does that mean that your vendors have that, you know, same money in the bank? Right. So that, that becomes a concern. It is a, it is an economy wide uh, question. And sorry that, you know, my first answer has gotten into such a deep and sort of a serious note, but it is what it is. Uh, In fact, we spent the first uh, two weeks. You know, multiple meetings, multiple hours with all of the startups that we had invested in. Literally, you know, chalo, Excel sheet open karo. Let's go through it and let's figure out, you know, where your cash position is. What is your burn rate? What is your runway? And what are the things you can do to extend your survival? Whatever the number, right? If today you think you have money for next 12 months, fine. Then let's discuss how to make it 18. If you're saying you only have money for five months... Fine, it is tough, but let's make that five into seven or eight, right? Whatever that number is. Right now, those uh, few unfortunate startups that had maybe two, three months of runway and they thought we're going to start fundraising in July or August. They are in a particularly deep spot. Uh, You know, just bad timing. And like everything else, luck plays a factor in the success. Sometimes luck plays a factor in putting you in a troublesome spot. So that would be my take on this.
0: Right. So uh, I think the, everyone will have to reorient uh, uh, themselves. And Jyoti, uh, what should be the you know start point for a, a vulnerable startup in terms of preparing for the days after the lockdown? Because it's not just that lockdown is over; everything's going to be normal.
1: Yeah. See, there are. And I mean, I'll talk as an as an operating manager as well. Now, uh, I mean, there are two two dimensions to it, right? Uh, we're going to be going back to work. Uh, there's going to be a readjustment process. Everyone's going to be adjusting to a new reality. I mean, I, 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 I went to office once in the middle, uh, you know, as a media company, just like yourselves, we're allowed to operate, but we shut our office down. And it felt very strange to just be out of the house and, you know, see the whole, whole city Absolutely. empty. So there's a reorientation which is gonna happen. We've been planning to reopen our office and there's a million details which pop out. So 70% of my people come in, in our Delhi office on the metro and the metro is not opening. There's a whole bunch of people who live in Noida have to come to Delhi to our office. The Noida police have decided that they want to question everyone. And quite rightly, so I'm not, I'm not judging them. Yeah. But these are operating issues which every entrepreneur will have to think about, every office has to think about. So the first thing I will say is that just because the uh, lockdown is lifting doesn't mean that everything's going to go back to normal. It doesn't even mean that you need to open your office. Indeed, if things are going okay, I would advise people to just stay safe and keep working from home to the extent that they can. I mean, the fact that they can leave home and go have a drink in a bar means you can relax yourself anyway. right? So that's that's one part. So there's a short-term piece, like ultra short-term piece, first week of May, which is about coming back to work. And what we have seen uh, in our research, uh, in our edge practices, is that uh, entrepreneurs and CEOs are looking at the, the next six to nine months, probably in two chapters. So there's the first chapter, which is I think Vinit's already uh, uh, very lucidly explained around the sort of crisis management piece and really taking a microscope to every cost, cash flows, this, that. But there is a, <clears throat> there is a second chapter that I have perceived talking to business leaders, which is that people have faith that India is going to bounce back. And indeed that the world is going to bounce back, whether it be in, you know Q3, Q4 this year or Q1 next year is anyone's guess. So people are also very conscious and my advice to entrepreneurs would also be to be very conscious that they don't cut so far back that when the economy starts to come back again, they're not able to take advantage of uh, those situations and we're certainly taking that view okay um, so those are the two or three things you know immediate term short term and then medium term long term who knows you know until a vaccine is um uh, is, is is discovered or developed uh for this terrible virus um who knows um when we'll actually become so-called normal again or what normal even means I don't, i'm not sure absolutely we don't know what is going to be normal
0: and uh, uh, we need to actually, let's, if you, if you were to come down to those few thumb rules, where should one start with? And, you know, I, mean, I wouldn't want to uh, beat around the bush and would rather ask you two, three uh, mantras or two, three action items that you would suggest uh, startup founders or entrepreneurs in this season uh, you know, that they, they, they should actually uh, start implementing. They should address people issue, revenue issue, or structure or processes. What should be they just doing next morning?
2: Uh, <laughs> Mehraj, what should they not be doing is the point. <laughs> uh, but yes, I, I do understand. You know the the authenticity behind this question. A lot of founders. Uh, one thing I'll say is, you know, today we are already technically thirty first day of our lockdown or thirty second day of our lockdown, right? So if by now some startups or any startups, anyone in the audience have not already gone line by line through every expense item that is recurring right for the last six months right take an average last six months may what is the items that have been an expense every month right you have salaries you have rental maybe you have your aws you know uh, web hosting charges right simple things your cell phone bills for your employees your landline bill your broadband connection bill right everything Everything is on the table in terms of cost cutting, right? Now, one of the startups that we had invested in, I'll I'll not be able to name them. You know, he said, what does everything mean? I said, you know, you've, you've just taken on a new agreement, a rental agreement last year, right? In October or November with your landlord. Please go to him and say if next three months, he will be okay with not taking rent, right? That is also on the table. You know, go to your employees, be able to have that conversation. And so again, I'm repeating a lot of what people have known, but if there are still people who have not done this, then, you know, guys, you've got to do this right away. That's number one. Number two, you've got to understand that just you can't save your way out of a recession or a downturn, right? Because the money is also got to come in from somewhere, which means you've got to look at who your customers are. You know, what are your revenue sources? And be very aware that 80%, depending on the industry, right? Some industries as high as 80% of your revenue will go away. If you're a travel startup, 100% of your revenue has gone away right now. And maybe 10, 20% will come back, you know, once lockdown ends, right? Some other startups may be a little bit lucky, you know, industry, know the revenue will tighten up because brands will stop spending a lot but still you know subscribe to your websites uh sorry so these are the two areas right one is on the revenues and more uh sorry one is on the cost and second is more importantly on the revenues and we have seen that you know entrepreneurs are usually especially the younger entrepreneurs are a little hesitant in terms of asking for money right i find that very odd i mean you know, for all this conversation about they are young blood and they are more aggressive, actually they are the most embarrassed to ask for pesa.
1: Yes,
2: right. And this has been a big challenge to have this conversation. Uh, and I don't, I mean, I don't blame the younger entrepreneurs. I used to be that 23-year-old entrepreneur who used to feel embarrassed. Here, char bar right? I'm like, you got to do it because you know what else, right? So. So I'm very uh, patient with these founders, but I'm also very uh, uh, no-nonsense. It's, you know, don't give me excuses. Go out and ask for money, right? Either That's a very interesting.
0: Ask- I think, I think you, you've given us a very important point to discuss further, because ask for it. I mean, what's your ask? It's first big line to evaluate uh, and ask yourself. Uh, but Jadeep, uh, what one should uh, do along with uh, this? As in, you know, if I were to go ask uh, for money for my uh, startup, Uh, What all, I mean, how good should I look? What should I do before I can really stand up and say I deserve this money despite all this uh, situation in economy? See, I'll,
1: you know, I'll actually divert that question to to Vinny because I'm sure people are coming to him every day. But I will say something else. There is another source of funding people shouldn't forget. It's called revenues. Now, there are sectors, uh, travel is a great example where it's a very unfortunate time. There are many other sectors and media. Our business, uh, Mirage is one of them, where we've had to pivot and create new capabilities very, very quickly to be able to survive, right? And for years and years and years, people have been talking about digital events and it's never happened, right? And in in six weeks, the whole world of events has gone digital. Exactly the same thing. I was uh, listening to uh, uh, Professor uh, Harari uh, the famous author and he was saying the same thing about hebrew university where he teaches and uh, education he said 20 years we've been talking about digital education and it took three weeks and one virus and the whole university has gone digital So there is also the opportunity for many many startups and uh, many many well all kinds of companies to so look at a silver lining where they can actually create new capabilities very quickly they will find customers and stakeholders absorbing those much faster than they would in so-called normal times, right? And, you know, incidentally, digital events have a much better EBITDA than physical events used to have, right? So, So, you know, the topic of our discussion, silver linings, this is a silver lining that I see where while we are scrambling to cut costs and raise money and manage our cash flows, we should also be equally active in thinking about new ways of driving revenues. But I'll defer to Vineet, in terms of how should a startup package themselves to actually raise money? He'll, he'll probably be able to uh, to answer that better. Uh, yes, absolutely. But I think,
0: thanks, Jadeep, for bringing us back to our topic that we are, we are actually looking for and we have to sort of discover silver lining in this situation. Uh, uh, Jayadeep has uh, right, rightfully diverted the question back to you on how one should package uh, overall situation so then one can really go next morning and ask for more uh, funding, etc
2: right and and uh, a- absolutely well taken, Jaydeep. Uh, you know if you are looking for VC funding before even having figured out what your customers are willing to fund you, right It's called revenues and profits. you know that should be number one on the list, and while you're waiting for revenues in the interim you want an angel or a VC funding, that's absolutely correct, right You should do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I would say is depending on the industry, depending on the sectors. then we later on talk about which sectors are seeing headwinds versus which sectors are seeing tailwinds. But depending on that, certain industries, I have actually seen some examples of startups, you know, which had an on-field sort of sales force, right? They, their salesmen had to go to the customer's office, sit outside the manager's office, do a demo, And try to, you know, after one or two meetings, get a purchase order and, you know, the standard B2B enterprise sales in India. And I have actually seen those people have switched over entirely to a telephone plus online checkout. I mean, this is something which, this is a product which you and I would never think can ever be checked out on 5 lakh rupee order and you check out and pay 5 lakh rupees online. That's not what they've done. So all that they've done is you pay us a token amount. You know It could be 5%, 7%, even 10%, right? Whatever that amount is, right? We'll book your order, we'll confirm your order, we'll start the service. Mm. Because maybe the product service can be digitally delivered or it's some software that can be installed. We'll start the service and then we are trusting that once the lockdown opens up we will still come to your office we'll still do the purchase order we'll still take a physical check for the remaining ninety five percent amount right so mm-hmm. you've got to be extremely careful that you don't look at a solution and say this will not work in my industry you know online payment to amazon ke liye hai, thodi that, that's that's not a fair thing to say anymore and like you said about this uh, professor in israel right i mean uh, we are seeing this across the board. You know, I am here in uh, Bangalore and the Karnataka government schools and, you know, I know someone who works very closely with uh, Sunilji, who is the education minister and you know, they have moved to digital. I'm talking Karnataka government schools. I'm not even talking the private schools and the IB and CBSC and all of those, right? Karnataka yeah. government schools are moving to digital. So at that point, no one else in any other industry
0: has an excuse. Mm-hmm. So hai, ye se you have to change your mindset and adhere to new practices and, and reinvent yourself right from your sell uh, selling strategies to your cost structure to revenues, your pitching, uh, as in your fund pitches. But um, uh, coming on to the 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 people side of it, uh Jadeep, what's your sense from the industry? Whichever in, uh, Way you look at it, are we going to have a lot of layoffs in this startup, uh, uh, you know, universe? And uh, and and there are a lot of uh, you know uh, unpredictable. Um, I mean, unpredictable uh, is 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 perhaps a simple word for it. What all
1: are we going to see there? Yeah. See here, I have a uh, on the face of it, what what you might call a slightly right wing mindset. I think that entrepreneurs and companies being forced to keep people on payrolls is not a good idea. Unless, unless the government can in turn give them some kind of a relief or compensation, so that there is a uh, the seesaw is balanced. Uh, we haven't seen that happen yet. I think everyone in the ecosystem needs to realize that if a company is groaning under the uh, load of excessive labor cost, which is now completely disproportionate to the business volume. It may have been fit for purpose three months ago or four months ago, but it's not going to be fit for purpose for the next six to nine months. They should be allowed to lay off people because if someone's got a thousand people employed and they're allowed to lay off 200, the way I look at it is you've just saved 800 jobs right because if the whole damn company folds up because they've run out of cash or because they just simply can't afford that payroll then you know you're going to have a much worse problem so the unfortunate thing is we are stuck between a very hard decision and a terrible decision there are no good good scenarios here unfortunately especially in a country where you know social security is 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 an alien concept uh, so one is very conscious of that um, but I do feel that, uh, labor market flexibility is critical at such a time. Okay. Uh, so that's one part of the answer. A second part of the answer completely, you know, the opposite side, every company, uh, whether they're manufacturing service, whatever, they have a core team, a few people who are essential to their success. Some of these folks will be in the leadership level. Some will be on the front lines and so on. And it's critical for every entrepreneur, every CEO to work very closely with their CHRO and re identify and reassess who those folks are and cotton wool them. You know, keep them in cotton wool. Yeah. But I
0: think that that's going to be the toughest part of it. Uh, like you said, hard decision and terrible decision. And then you actually go when you decide who do you really pick for um, this direction. We need tips on that.
2: So, Guys, I, 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 you know, you had asked me earlier, Mehraj, what does that two X exit mean, right? There's, there's a, the full sentence is three X startup, two X exit, right? So I've run three companies, of which two of them have exited, but that also means one of them did not exit, right? So then the question is, what happened in that one case? And uh, you know, today people have the excuse that Corona ke karan we have to let go people, right? But you to understand, uh, two years, in, I had to lay off some people just to keep the startup afloat, right? We were in a very unique situation. An uh, investor committed the amount, a part of the amount came in, and then the rest of the amount did not come in six months later, right? So we didn't have the money to run the full house. And the debate was very clear. And unfortunately, today it is even clearer, right? And I don't have to say beyond what Jaidip already said that are you going to keep the… 80% of the staff and run a business or are you going to keep the 100% of the staff and shut down the business? Right. So I am a very aggressive person when it comes to this, because the primary responsibility of a founder or a promoter is to the business. Right. Mm-hmm. We all want to be nice and publicly, you know, be politically correct and say, no, no, hare kes, hare ko saath leke chalo, right? but you know, you don't have unlimited resources. You don't have unlimited bank balances. You don't have. So,
0: so I think uh, we have some uh, good insights on uh, you know looking at uh, high, high points, cost, revenue, people, practice, uh, how you reinvent your sales strategy, uh, and then let's maybe uh, come on the investment side. Uh, if one was to start, uh, you know, if one were to start uh, um, uh, a new business. Which are the new attractive points, which sectors, like there's always a theme of the season. Um, uh, Vineet, can I start with you on that and you know, which sectors uh, a fund manager or an investor like you or your friends would be looking at?
2: So uh, at Orias, we are uh, early stage fund and we are what, you know, we at least like to consider ourselves very thesis driven, which means we think about it. We sit back, we think, and then we build a thesis and then we follow that thesis, right? So all the hard work is done at the time of building the thesis. After that, it's actually easy because you're following a playbook. And we believe there are certain active sectors over the next 12 to 14 months that will see a lot of positive tailwind. And even going forward, these sectors will see benefits just because things are changing, and you know, like you said right, colleges and schools will move to tech. Uh, we believe, number one, uh, businesses that are online to online businesses. Right. This includes gaming, this includes content, even this includes startups that will help you with, you know, buying stocks or mutual fund as long as it's completely online to online, which means you open the app or you open the website, the customer is acquired digitally through a Facebook ad or a Twitter ad, Then the customer visits the app or the website, the customer is then shown the product digitally, and the customer pays for it digitally and finally uses the service also digitally, right? So it's end-to-end digital. Right. Both your businesses have opportunities, especially in the media business. Today, it's digital end-to-end. Uh, then we also have businesses where we believe there is an opportunity to acquire the customer online and only provide the delivery service offline. Right? This starts everywhere from Swiggy and Dunzo all the way through a lot of other industries which are delivering. And today, you're seeing that right everywhere. Grocery delivery, whatever other food delivery, medicine delivery is doing very well. So there is an offline component, but the customer is not part of the offline component. That will become very important, which is why, you know, retail and malls and hospitality is going to suffer in the medium term is because the customer needs to go offline to actually use the service in a restaurant or a pub. That's not going to work, right? So online to online, online to offline, where the customer doesn't need to be offline. Uh, Number three is healthcare. You think healthcare is the one unique area where even if there's an offline opportunity, it will still work just because everyone is going to start upgrading their healthcare. And the way we see it is, you know, all these years, how defense budget was very big. I'm hoping over the next 10 years, the healthcare budget will become very big and the governments will become large buyers of technology and healthcare technology. Right, so a lot of the, and you're seeing this, it came in the papers a couple of days ago, government has said, right, defense procurement is going to be frozen. Now, those budgets are going to go somewhere. And that is, hopefully, our idea is going to go towards healthcare infrastructure upgrade. Right, tech led. Uh, And then we also have education, of course, almost anything in education tech today is a demonetization moment for them. You know, they're, they're going to do wonderful for the next 12 months before things settle down and lastly is sas that is going to support the above sectors that i have mentioned so SaaS for online to online SaaS for online to offline SaaS for healthcare SaaS for edtech
0: right absolutely very clear i think that's very interesting uh, uh and thank you for uh you know listing those uh, frankly and speaking your mind here we uh jadeep any choices with sectors uh vis-a-vis startup
1: investment yeah i have a slightly different take on it. My advice to any entrepreneur is always do what you're passionate about. And even if that happens to be something which is not fashionable from an investment perspective at the moment, you can be sure it will become fashionable if your business is a sound business, right? Uh, Some of the uh, things that Vinit just spoke about, uh, three, four years ago, no one would, would be bothered with them. You know, SaaS companies used to have a really hard time in 2016, 17, and then suddenly they caught fire. Conversely, uh, you could be setting up a B2C company to sell grass online and people would be there to fund you. And now even a high quality B2C e-commerce company can't find funding. So there are some, there's an element of waves here uh, which happens, and then there is the themes which Vinit so uh, uh, kindly put out, which are also very important. But I think, you know, when I'm looking to make personal investments, uh, and I make a few, the first thing I look for is how passionate is the entrepreneur about what they're doing? Do they live and eat and breathe it every single day? And of course, you know, does the business make fundamental sense? Um, Simple stuff, you know, you need to be earning more than you're spending and um, common sense like that, which I call class 11 accountancy. Um, So, so with that qualifier, I think any business is a good business. Now, I also want to just address as a question from one of the attendees, Mr. Anupam uh, Saronwala. Uh, hi, Anupam. Um, so the funding going forward. Actually, we've our uh, research. Uh, we've put out a research report just today. The Eco Times has just carried a press release, so you can see that it's a VCCH press release. Um, we've already found in March that funding has gone down by 60 percentage points by value and 80 percentage points by volume. And uh, so April, May, June is a proper funding winter. Um, and there is another couple of questions which, which touch upon these. So I just want to just caution anyone who's looking to raise funding. Uh, this is a bleed time unfortunately to raise funding. There's, uh, there's unfortunately just no silver lining here at the moment. Uh, I would advise you uh, if you're in really early stage to do friends and family, do convertible rounds. To just get through the next sort of three to six months. Don't look for a proper series unless you really have to. Uh, and those of you who really have to, be ready to have really tough conversations and expect haircuts on your valuation expectations. Okay. Uh, beyond that, I won't say anything because every single funding case is a different one. Absolutely. No, and, oh, and
2: uh, uh, if I may, uh, uh, if I yes, may please. over here, you know, Jadeep J- J- has just spiced up this entire conversation. So, uh, Jai, I uh, I agree. I agree <laughs> No, no, I'm I'm happy, and I think the audience would appreciate this as well, right? I mean, unless we are not at each other's throats, you know. That's how Arnab is Arnab, na, So, <laughs> so uh, while I agree with you that entrepreneurs should, you know, uh, obviously go after what it is that passion that doesn't change. I have had three different startups, so levels to passion and ideas of passion, right? I have had three startups, and if I tell you the areas that they were in, you'll be like, "Who the hell is passionate about that, right?" One was selling software to trucking companies, right? I mean, I never woke up and said, yeah, jab bada to trucking company ke liye software right? It was not passion, but the passion was that I wanted to have a software tech kind of business, and it so happened that that was. Space. I then identified right. So doesn't mean that you know you you sort of box yourself into that limited space, and use that as an excuse not to look outside. Sure. Right. And uh, this is something that's very important. You know, uh, my 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 third startup was selling construction material online. Right. Again, you know, where is the passion in that? Yeah. I mean, I don't even come Mm -hmm. from a family of builders. Right. So I'd never done it before. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, So, I would suggest that, yes, passion is critical, but there is an opportunity not to limit yourself because you have identified a passion and that passion still needs to be a little loosely held. So, yes, if someone has a passion about the travel and hospitality industry, right? I'm not saying drop it and go do healthcare software tomorrow, right? I'm not debating that. However, also be realistic on what can travel do. You know what within travel works for you, right? I think that's, so, that's, that's very, thing, yeah.
0: Fully very very yeah. important point you made, Vinit. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. Because uh, if you got the passion and the know-how, it's not you 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 cannot do this business. But you have to perhaps reevaluate your plans. Uh, in fact, you, uh, begin to get these questions also. Uh, you know, I would rather sum up all of them uh, as of now. Uh, many of them. Uh, saying what happens to my dream startup kind of question you know it's like, uh, i i had a, uh, you know i had i had my uncle telling me he would fund it or i thought i was planning uh, things like that you know next year i wanted to do it what happens to those thoughts uh, can we just uh, you know, shut them up uh, and move on or we can sort of uh, keep working on uh, startup ideas
2: Vinit, you want to start with? Sure, sure. Uh, I, I feel that, you know, if, I mean, everyone's plans have gotten a re evaluation, right? Even someone who's been running a startup for five years, or someone who's been running a startup for 12 months, or someone who is, you know, still getting their private limited company registered, right? So, irrespective of how young or how old you are in the startup and you have over here jadeep you have over here miraj you know you've run businesses that are a lot more mature than any startup is right you need to be able to reevaluate who your customer is how will you market to your customer who is actually paying for your product how much will they pay for your product and how large is the market in the post lockdown era Right? if after that also the answers satisfy you, then sure absolutely go ahead and do it right that is the best case scenario if before lockdown and after lockdown there's only a ten percent difference that's just superb
1: hmm. Hmm. But, I just say you have second.
2: to sit and do that exercise
1: yeah. yes I yes. also just I just want to add and and I just want to add towards when said hundred percent agree with you Vineet. and I also think see most startups today uh, in the context of you know, this conversation, are building some kind of product or IP or platform, okay? The next six to nine months is a great time to actually invest your full energy and attention in actually building out your product or platform while practically no one's buying anything by and large or, or, or markets are very, very slow. So conversely or paradoxically, I would say that if if your business passes through the filters, Vinit just said, then you should absolutely go, go in, be brave and remember that the world always comes back. If we came back from 1918, we came back from 29, we came back from 45, we're gonna come back again and we're gonna start growing again. And one of the jokes I made you know, in my MBA uh, group recently, I said, I don't care what else is happening in the world, I want to know what Warren Buffett's up to these days. Right? Because in 2010, or 2009 we realized that in 2008 he bought out big chunks of everything that mattered right and he was sitting and smiling and that's the view we should all take uh, and i can never forget what he says he says when you know every when everyone else is buying you should be scared and when everyone else is, else is scared you should be buying or what's to that effect similarly when the markets are really slow it's a good time to build and you know be positive entrepreneurs have a different kind of pandemic. They have a pandemic of optimism, and we should never let go of that, albeit it should always be grounded in realism. Well, um,
0: I'm getting more questions on uh, this. In fact, we had uh, uh, Rahul Chatterjee is, uh, introducing himself from Yedido. Rahul, uh, please uh, go ahead and type your question, and we will try and address that. Um, meanwhile, uh, like you talked about, um, uh, uh, in cost-cutting uh, aspects, Jadeep, I think I left it there and maybe we, we can address that more. Uh, in more grown-up startups, so maybe let's say E-series or, or, or otherwise, uh, if, if there are startups who have had a series of investments and now is the real question for them on how to sort of look at it further, what's the best idea for them right now to uh, work out on in terms of cost and structure? You
1: you mean more mature sort of startups? So yeah, so I'm saying that you know uh,
0: startups who were on the uh, you know stepping stone of being uh, scaling up their operations and
1: and their funding is based on their scaling up abilities. I what- mm-hmm. uh, see. I you know while the numbers might look bigger relative to a Series A startup in terms of what the PNL looks like, fundamentally the PNL doesn't change, right? And um, if, you know, if they're looking to go and raise funding, so I'm not exactly sure what the context is, but if they're looking to go and raise funding, um, I think between Vineet and myself, we've already put forth what are the things that they should be thinking about in terms of you know, digital uh, pivots, in terms of does the, do the market still hold good six months down the line, uh, in terms of post recovery, let me say post COVID. I don't know if there'll ever be a post COVID, but post crisis, let's say, right? Um, is there going to be some degree of growth coming back to the markets? If all of those boxes are ticked, uh, then what they should do in my view is take out costs wherever they can, extend that runway. Again, need had spoken about this, and push out the need to go and raise funding to the extent possible, okay? There's gonna be people at all ends of the spectrum. Yeah, yeah. There'll be those who, who won't survive three months without funding, and there'll be those who are looking to raise growth capital, but can actually trundle along just fine. For the next six to nine months, without raising funding and cutting back some capex and so on. So, if you have the luxury of being one of those, then for God's sake, cut back the capex and you know just preserve the money because right now uh, it's a buyer's market and you know the investors are going to take you to the cleaners from a valuation perspective, as they should. You know, when the market's are hot, you guys take them to the cleaners, right? So it goes both
2: ways. Yes. I've spoken to multiple VCs and the idea here is very clear, right? Next 60 to 90 days, a lot of people will have conversations, right? And these are genuine conversations. You should have these conversations. In fact, it's great. If I was an entrepreneur, I would always have those conversations because it's about relationship building, Mm. right? And you don't know tomorrow where that relationship may take you. I mean, just today, it so happened, a startup that we met in February, right? We decided not to invest. But today I created a WhatsApp group and, you know, introduced him to another VC at one of the much larger funds, right? I mean, you could easily call it top two in India, right? So that is the power of that founder's ability to build a relationship. Even a VC who did not invest in him was giving an introduction. And I am the prime example. You know, today I work at Orias and you people may ask me how I even got the job. Uh, Rehan and Orias actually had declined investing in my building material startup.
1: He wanted you for yes. himself, so he didn't want to fund your startup. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's a long time. This is
0: 2015. Question. Uh, Gaurav Agarwal is asking a question. He's saying, since the investors are not keen on funding, maybe they, they may not be keen on funding in this uh, scenario, will they switch to mentoring, or rather they consider mentoring opportunity on pro bono basis? This is a question from Gaurav Agarwal. Vinit, you want to start? on
2: that? Uh, sure. Uh, great question, Gaurav. Uh, the problem with investors turning to mentors is number one, very rarely right? do investors have deep knowledge about your industry. Okay, Very rarely. And if you want a mentor, you actually want a mentor who's got deep knowledge from your industry. right? When I was running my startup, My mentor was the president of Tally software, you know, he knew software inside out. I mean, if you're the president of Tally software in India, you most probably invented how to sell software in India. Right? So that is the mentor you always want. Someone who comes from the industry. Uh, That is number one. Number two, uh, investors sometimes have to shy away from mentoring, especially when they have not invested because Even in the startups we've invested, we don't want to mentor, right? We are pure financial operators. We don't want to become business operators, even as mentoring, because it is the entrepreneur's job and it becomes a little bit of a sticky wicket for an investor to give mentoring. And tomorrow, God forbid, you know, by definition, right? Nothing happens or something negative happens. Uh, Most investors don't want to mentor for that reason. Definitely outside of their own portfolio, they don't want to. It's just a liability. Uh, And... uh, these are the two things, right? You want a mentor with experience in your industry and investors shy away from mentoring because there could be a potential for liability or criticism down the line. It's very sad. It is true. I came here promising to tell you the way it is and that's what I'm doing. Mm-hmm.
0: Jadip, uh, uh, what all precautions one should take in that case, I mean, like, you know, mentoring is definitely a, uh, a trend in the industry and it has always been, like-minded people are like uh, Vinit just mentioned he, he had uh, someone in mind who he connected uh, one entrepreneur with so
1: yeah it's not I mean, manage, stop, but right? that's so I, you know helping entrepreneurs is something that all investors would do frankly all professionals should do why not right and, and and connecting people this and that i think is powerful of course i i actually violently agree with Vinit uh, on his entire narrative on mentoring and i would actually take one step further i would actually advise anyone to have mentors who know them personally to some extent, the better, the more they know them, the better it is, right? Mm-hmm. Because how you take decisions, how you look at the world, et cetera, is, is really important uh, as a, you know, because look, any, forget any investor, anybody who's mentoring you has only a limited amount of time. So they will end up giving you, you know, what I call global gyan who uh, you know, but someone who actually knows you and understands how you think and your perspective on the world will be able to add that much more value to you. But do you so really mean that it has to be a very formal arrangement? Then I mean, not necessarily formal. Yeah, I think it has to be more. Uh, what What am I looking for? More intimate rather than formal, right? Where there is a a personal connect that is created between the mentor and the mentee, right? That's, I mean, again, other people may have different views on this. I don't think there's one universal truth when it comes to mentoring. But yeah. here, I think Vineet and I have exactly the same thought I mean, I, I don't have this whole liability challenge. Um, but, you know, that clearly is also an issue on the table. Here. No, actually, but since we're talking, I mean, my
0: concern is, if one is mentoring uh, uh, someone else, how much invested is he in? Is it just, you know, sort of uh, being courteous or actually you are invested in when you are mentoring someone and then that that makes it formal. So then it really has a
1: accountability. So for me personally, I have stuck to mentoring. I mean, I look, I, I don't even use the term mentoring. I, very frankly, uh, I've stuck to working with or engaging with entrepreneurs who I have found good enough to invest in. Uh, the odd time a friend will call and take advice to me, that's not mentoring. I do the same with my friends, right? Um, but I, I've you know I have scarce uh, free time, and that scarce free time to me is best invested in working with those people who I know the best. And clearly, if I have taken the trouble of evaluating someone and cut a check for them, then. It's just natural that if they turn to you and ask you three questions, you kind of try and answer them. Um, personally, and again, this is a very, very personal thing. Uh, I don't really mentor people in that structured kind of you know way. Other people do, and they do it very, very well. Uh, and I guess it's everyone has their own different kind of take on this. Yeah. Sure. So I'll quickly move to Babar Solanki's question. Vaibhav
0: um, uh, from Binary Sphere has asked an interesting question. He's saying they don't have marketing and sales team. If the product is good enough, would an investor still be interested in investing and help create a marketing and sales team? So I think he's asking two questions. One is, can we do without a marketing and sales team? And- can I
1: take this one? I'm deeply this. <laughs> as someone who grew up as a sales professional, guys, look, you know, many entrepreneurs are great engineers, are great creators of products and have this hugely mistaken belief that if my product is a Rolls Royce, people will walk in and you know they'll be banging my door down to take the product. I always tell them even Rolls Royce has dealers. Even Rolls Royce needs to appoint dealers in New Delhi and in London and others, right? You cannot build a business without a sales organization, full stop. Uh, whether an investor can help you do that or not, I'll defer to Vinit, but don't move forward in building your business under a mistaken assumption that you can somehow scale it and make it attractive for VCs and Series B and Series C investors without a really strong sales and marketing function. That it, it, doesn't, that, it doesn't exist. That condition doesn't exist.
2: Uh, um, Jayadi, yeah, yeah. if I may add, right, like you said, you're from a sales background and most entrepreneurs are people like me, right? Computer science nerds. Mm-hmm. And you are absolutely right. And maybe I should repeat what you said just so they hear it from someone like them who can talk to them about assembly language and Python and Pascal and C right mm-hmm. that guys, unless you as a technical founder are willing to drop all your techs, and go and be your own top sales guy and your top marketing guy. Sales and marketing is absolutely mission critical to running a business, right? Whatever that business is, even Google has sales and marketing people. Let's be very fair. Okay. Uh, and I just wanted to say what you said. So they understand that even a non-sales person is saying
0: I Let me quickly address the second part of our question is that, will an investor help setting up a team for sales and marketing? Fair question. Now, uh,
2: because we are an early stage uh, fund, it very often so does happen that, you know, we may be investing only when it is just the two founders or three founders, right? Uh, so in that case, one of the founders is putting in a pseudo relationship of being head of marketing till they actually get a full-time head of marketing or sales.
0: That's perfectly cool. fine. Investors do help. Cool. Uh, one, uh, I'm going to take two questions at a time. Sudhakar and Nayar's question on... Uh, Is organic farm production a good idea right now, in my words? uh, Quickly, and another question for uh, Vineet from Ramakrishna about um, building. Looking, locating that question, Mm, yeah, can share can please share some suggestions for a person who is looking at selling building materials online, especially Mr. Vineet. So, one in one on organic farm production, another on building materials.
2: Jaydeep, go ahead, take one. I'll take
1: one. <laughs> what I know about organic farm production, you could write on the back of an envelope. In fact, a postage stamp and still have space left over with it. I, so I won't, I won't <laughs> I'll end up misleading the entrepreneur. I genuinely, uh, I, I love eating organic fruit. So to that extent, you have a consumer. Uh, is it a viable business in India? Uh, I have absolutely no idea. So I'll, you know, I'll, I'll do if I may. Yeah, you're right. I mean, uh, I look at I look at the you know agri tech sector
2: as well, and uh, unfortunately, organic produce in India is a premium, super premium category product. It's like organic milk. And having said that, we invested in Country Delight, which actually does not do organic milk, because ninety percent of Indian middle class doesn't want to buy organic because the premium is too high. Right? Everyone wants it, but no one's willing to pay a thirty-five to hundred percent premium for organic. And I don't think Corona has changed that about our value consciousness. Mm-hmm. So that's my answer. Mm-hmm.
0: Quickly, I'm looking for more, more questions.
2: Um, oh, he asked about yeah. the selling building materials online. Yes, okay, yes, again, please. Look yeah. at the market size. Uh, currently, the market is going to be extremely subdued. Construction is going to be slow because the migrant labor is not going to come back very fast. There's excess inventory in a lot of markets. So be very, very careful. Do your market study. I, I am happy. I am not in the construction material space right now. <laughs>
0: yeah. All right. So um,
1: I think we are moving towards. Uh, I think there's one other question which is yes. uh, around: Does it make sense to get an NDA signed if you have a unique differentiating process, etcetera? Right. My my personal experience is don't bother. Uh, VCs and angels are not in the business of IP theft by and large. Uh, okay. And as far as I know, most funds will refuse to sign anyway. But I don't know Vinny, if you guys uh, agree You've given way, the guys, answer,
2: I would have given. I have nothing to add to that.
0: Yeah. Okay. So differentiation is a theme. Uh, in a crisis where economy is not doing that great, how differentiated could you be? Uh, is differentiation a very good idea, or you are likely to get lost in, in, in terms of you know losing out from mainstream and you know? So, Maybe, so any I'm thoughts sure. on that?
1: First, differentiation is always a good idea. Hmm. Uh, differentiation of your value proposition is not a function of whether the markets are hot or cold. It's a question of how well your differentiated value proposition serves the needs of your customers as they are today and as you can imagine them evolving over the next 5 to 10 years right so if to my mind it would be a mistake for any entrepreneur to connect a state of economy or state of markets with the notion of differentiating their products the flavors of differentiation might change and the way you position your uh, you know your product or service might change given market conditions and market moods but as a fundamental thought process it should be a it should be pervasive Innovation leading to differentiation should be a you know DNA thing here. Yeah? Mm-hmm. I, I think. Uh, we, I I mean, this is a basic question
0: anyway. Specific, specify uh, you know three big uh, silver lining uh, statements if you would if you want to make any Vinay, two or three silver téng- lining téng- statement because we started with the, te- the theme that brave new world and the silver lining in startup world. Basically you're telling me make three statements
2: jo do baad you can catch me and say teano ke teano galat tha. that's basically <laughs> what you want.
0: <laughs>
1: now I can uh, rephrase no. it for the sake of this conversation. No, no, I, <laughs> <laughs> give us I, some I, I, I hope. I understand where you're coming from. Yeah, give us some no, no, hope I, all I, of I, us
2: I, are looking for. So here's the thing, right? And I'm lucky we already have Warren Buffett's name used over here. I am an entrepreneur. You know, you're all both, both of you are in positions of fairly entrepreneurial strength, right? You are, have to chart the course of your own business. The hope here is that we will survive and we will continue to grow. It is a momentary break. The car has not crashed, nor has it stopped, nor has it run out of fuel. Only matters how long is the red light for. It may be longer than what was earlier, but we have survived and thrived and we will continue to grow as a species, as a nation and as an economy. So if there are opportunities that you find, and in fact, today there are more opportunities for young entrepreneurs, because what we are seeing very clearly is till six months or even two months or even one and a half month ago, a huge chunk of our economy was run or you a huge chunk of our buying was done by the largest businesses through other largest businesses. And today you have to understand, they are in an even deeper hole than the startups because they have got thousands of crores of infrastructure already invested. They are the ones who have got 20,000 and 10,000 and 5,000 employees to think about. Startups are the ones which are going to be the most benefited if only they are willing to survive the next six months I've written about this also. Just survive the next six months. Whatever the cost, because what will happen is there'll be two people on the left of you and two competitors on the right of you who will not survive. And by definition of you having survived, there's going to be a lot more business for you. Just survive. That's it. It it matters so
0: much. It's not funny. Fantastic. Jadeep, any two, three big uh, statements (laughs) of hope?
1: Yeah, see, I... um... Honestly, these are statements I would have made to you six months ago also. Number one, uh, I personally like businesses which are globally scalable. Okay. So SaaS is a great example of that. Uh, a fantastic globally scalable is coming out of India. The most amazing examples, of course, are Zoho and now Freshdesk. But, but Freshworks, as they now. But Behind them, there's a whole bunch of fantastic startups. I've been very lucky to be invested in two, three of those. The second thing from an India perspective, uh, the one thing which doesn't change in this country, COVID, COVID, drought, flood, anything, is a broken supply chain, right? So any business, any entrepreneur uh, who is, you know, who is able to solve supply chain type problems, right from last mile delivery to, you know, factories to highway, whatever it might be. There is huge opportunities there. And I think over the next few months, we are going to see dramatic changes in the supply chains with social distancing and all of this stuff becoming the new normal and entrepreneurs should take advantage of that, right? The third thing I would say is that practically every business, even manufacturing businesses, can be asset-light businesses today, right? There's plenty of manufacturing capacity in this world for all kinds of interesting things. So you're from, it doesn't matter how much capital you've raised or are looking to raise, you should always be thinking asset-light variable cost models, with shock absorbers built in. Um, And I would have said exactly these things to you six months ago, right? Now, given where we are today, uh, civilizationally, there are some obvious businesses you want to steer away from. Anything which involves brick and mortar, shopping malls, hotels, etc. You want to be, you better have a really, really exceptional story of some sort. Uh, If you're going to be going into those sectors and segments, I, we don't have to repeat those. I think you know anyone reading the newspapers will know which are those sectors to steer clear of for the next few months. But if you're already there, go into survival mode, all right? Um, and and wait wait for the storm to pass. Right. So I think uh,
0: some of these um, you know uh, tips or um, helping advice. I, I think it, it, I, I'm quite uh, hopeful now, and I, I have uh, good insights. If I were to be running a startup, I think I have a lot of thoughts to take home today from this conversation.
1: This is philosophically a very important question to answer. So, Chirag Sankeshwari has said, "In hospitals, they don't have sales teams. So, yes. you know. So, I just want to I just want to remind them that they may not have sales teams in the sense that they don't have people making sales calls asking if you're sick." but they spend crores and crores on advertising, right? And their sales teams actually are their doctors. So it may not be an in-your-face telephone selling or door-to-door selling process, but you can be rest assured that in the boardrooms of the healthcare companies and hospital companies, they're thinking about the sales function as well. And it goes back to the ubiquity of needing an effective sales and marketing function to run practically any business absolutely mm-hmm. i think mean, uh, each industry
0: has its own way of uh, uh, you know uh, running a sales team so orient mm-hmm. yourself reevaluate your pitch and i think the, one of these be, uh, best statements or lines that came out and that i must remember is that if you think you are in a hole there are bigger businesses who are in bigger holes So, uh, you know, if you could survive for six months, uh, that's it. That was Vineet's advice. And and I think Jadeep uh, summed it up very well by saying that, you know, uh, you have to sort of uh, get up again uh, all over and um, uh, differentiate. And all those advices are going to be very useful. Jadeep, uh, Mehta, Vineet, Bansali, thank you so much for joining us.